Good morning. Today is Friday, November 20th, 2020. And I have something to share from you from Rabbi Melech Biederman this morning. So the beginning of our Parsha, the Parsha of Toldos, Esav sells his Bechora, his birthright, for a bowl of lentil soup. Let me ask you a question. Is that a valid sale? Something so valuable to sell for just a few pennies? Is that fair? Is that just? So listen carefully to this story. There was a Hasidic man who once came to the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov lived in the late 1700s. He was the founder of what we refer to as Hasidus, the Hasidic movement. And a man, a religious Hasidic man, once came to the Baal Shem Tov and he said to him, I am so poor. I have no income. I have no work. I have no money for food. It's terrible. I can't live like this. I don't know what to do. You have to help me. So the Baal Shem Tov said to him, tell me, how much money do you have total? What is your total amount that you have? You put every, every penny together. How much do you have? The man says, in total, I have a hundred ruble. It's not very much. I have a hundred ruble. Baal Shem Tov said, here's what you do. Take everything that you have, all 100 ruble, and the first business opportunity you have to buy something, buy it. And you will be successful. Okay, so the man left happy. He had a plan. He had the advice of the Baal Shem Tov. He had faith in the Baal Shem Tov's advice, and he left with a plan. He left satisfied. On his way home, he had to spend the night at an inn. So he walked inside and he asked how much for a room for one night? A hundred ruble. <laughs> the man said, listen, I can't, a uh, hundred rubles is all I have and I've got to use it for some kind of investment to buy something. I can't spend a hundred ruble on a, on, a, on a hotel night, on a hotel room. So he decided he would just sleep in the lobby on the floor. It was that kind of a hotel where, I guess if you didn't have the money, you could just sleep on the floor in the lobby and they wouldn't bother you. Okay, it was that kind of a place. So, late at night, a group of young men, Jewish merchants, came in and they had had a very successful a very profitable day and they were celebrating. But these people, they were Jews, but they were not refined people. They were crude. They were somewhat sleazy. They were obsessed with money. And they're celebrating their big profits. They started drinking a lot and they were boisterous, and they were obnoxious in the lobby of this inn. And they were mocking everything that is holy, everything that is upright, just obnoxious people. And one of these young, drunk men yelled out at the top of his voice, I would sell 
my olam haba for a hundred ruble. Olam haba, share in the world to come. It's a fundamental belief that the reward that we will receive from God for all the mitzvot that we do will come to us in olam haba. That's where it's all coming. This man didn't care about that. I would sell it for a hundred ruble. The poor man sleeping in the corner heard that. He sat up. He remembered what the Baal Shem Tov told him. The first opportunity to purchase something for a hundred ruble, he should do it. So this poor man went over to this young drunk fellow and he said to him, I have a hundred ruble. I would like to buy your Olam Haba, your share in the world to come. The guy says, sure, give me a hundred ruble, it's yours. Fine, the man said, but I want a document, I want signatures, I want witnesses, it's got to be a legal sale. The guy says, sure, yeah, whatever you want, fine. So they write out a document, they sign it, they're witnesses, he gives them the hundred ruble, done, sold, over his first investment opportunity and it's finished. 100 ruble, gone. Baal Shem Tov promised it would help. The next day, the young man went home. He told his wife all about his business trip and he told his wife about all of his success and his profit and all the money that he made and all the money that he brought home. And he said, and I even managed to get an additional 100 ruble for selling my Olam Haba. His wife was shocked. What? You sold your Olam Haba? How could you do such a thing? And, you know, keep in mind, she herself was not exactly she's married to this guy. Okay, but somehow it just, it bothered her that her husband would sell his Olam Haba and she just could not see herself being married to a man that had no share in the world to come, no Olam Haba. He tried to placate her. Listen, it's nothing. It was a joke. It doesn't mean anything. No one believes that stuff anyway. She said to him, it's not a joke. You told me that you signed a document. You told me that there were witnesses. Get it back. Either get it back, she told him, or you'll give me a document, a document of divorce. You'll give me a get because I will not stay married to a man who has given away, who sold his share in Olamabo. All right, so this man realized he had no choice. He wanted to save his marriage. So he went to find this poor Jew and get back his Olam Haba. When he found the poor man, the man refused. I'm a buyer. I'm not a seller. I don't sell Olam Haba. Forget it. No, I'm not selling it back. The young man says, listen, come on. I'll give you double. I'll give you 200 rubles. Forget it, not interested, nothing to talk about. I'll give you a thousand ruble. That's a profit of tenfold. Nothing doing, go home. Two thousand ruble. You only paid a hundred ruble, I'm offering two thousand ruble. 
The man says, no way, no how, that's it, we're finished. Finally, this young man says to him, listen, let's just be honest for a second. Look at me. Clearly, I am not such a tzaddik. What do you think my olam haba is really worth? So the poor man said, your olam haba is worth exactly 250,000 ruble, not a penny less. That's what it's worth. Young man didn't have any choice. He paid 250,000 ruble. He got the contract back and he bought back his olam haba. He went home, saved his marriage, and he was happy. The poor man was successful on his first investment and he was happy. But after a while, the formerly poor man, now a wealthy man, started to have second thoughts. And he went back to the Baal Shem Tov and he told him the entire story and he said, I feel like maybe I was dishonest because if his Olam Haba was really only worth a hundred ruble, how could I have cheated him and required him to pay back 250,000 ruble for the same thing? And if his Olam Haba was truly worth 250,000 ruble, how could I have purchased it for only a hundred ruble? Either way, I've been dishonest. I cheated him. The Baal Shem Tov said to him, don't worry, you did nothing wrong. Because the truth is, Olam Haba, your share in the world to come does not have a price. Its value depends on how much you value it. He was willing to, send, to sell his Olam Haba for a hundred ruble. That's what it was worth at that time. When he finally realized it was worth 250,000 ruble and he was ready to pay that, 250,000 ruble was the correct value. As a young man, Esav was willing to sell his birthright to Yaakov for a bowl of lentil soup because that's the value that Esav put on that birthright. At that time, it meant nothing to him to be the firstborn. It had no value, pennies. Years later, when Esav realized how much it was really worth, as it would be expressed in the bracha, the blessing from his father Yitzchak, that, and, and he realized that because he had sold it, he would not get that blessing. The Torah tells us, Vayizak Zaka Gedola Umara. Yitzchak let out a loud, anguished cry of regret and disappointment. Because at that moment, when he did not get the bracha, he realized that it was priceless and he had sold it years earlier for pennies.
because he did not appreciate it. But don't berate Esav. Because if we are honest, we do the same thing. Every one of us has this Esav quality. Be honest with yourself. You're on mute, don't say it out loud. But be honest. In how many areas of your life, in how many areas of my life, can I say about myself, I wish I had understood earlier, when I was younger, the value of, and then fill in your own blank. And now, how I wish I would have had the opportunity at that earlier date, I would have lived my life differently. Every one of us is Esav. The Chavetz Chaim, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan of Radin, the great sage of the early 1900s, he used to say life is like a postcard. Now I realize that unless you are of a certain age, you're not going to understand what I'm about to say. So I wanted to update it so that younger people would understand what I'm about to say. And I thought to myself, I would say, life is like a tweet on Twitter. But then I realized even that doesn't work anymore. So if, you're, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, just either Google uh, postcard or Google Twitter in 2015 and you'll get the idea of what I'm trying to say. But life is like a postcard, the Chafetz Chaim used to say. You start out writing a postcard with large letters, takes up a lot of space, and very quickly you realize you're running out of room. And you furiously write smaller and smaller trying to fit in all that you need to express. Life is like a postcard. The feat, of course, is to realize the true value at the beginning when you can appreciate it, when you can benefit from it, when you can make it part of your life. If we don't, we too, like Esau, will live with regret. Vayizak Zaka and we will also let out a loud and bitter cry. But there is still hope. Please remember the famous proverb, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today, right now. Start today. Figure out what you have missed out on, what you have misvalued. Start today. Don't end up like Asaph. My friends, I want to wish you a great day and a wonderful Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.